Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Far Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about six minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater Program 404 in the series. It's July 14th, and to my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's going on? Ah, you it's know a big what? night here. We've it got is. so many reasons. We've got Ashley Byhun producing for us, so yeah. we're so happy to have you, Ashley. And we have Gen Z, who's just uh, hanging out with the little, Hi, getting Gen a little Z. zen with Gen Z. Hey. Today in the studio. How yeah, now Jen Z as a podcast here at WGN. You yes. can search for her podcast. Where real Carl? quick, what's it about? <laughs> what is the podcast about? So everyone knows. Everything in the Gen Z world. So health, fitness, wellness, nutrition, jujitsu. All of which beauty. I need. I need all of those things. And especially all beauty. Wonderful things. <laughs> especially beauty. <laughs> and nutrition. This, and this gets posted every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Wednesday. Yep. At WGN Radio and Wow get your podcast all right i'm gonna listen and i know you do interviews and you have a lot of guests and conversations about all those things with experts yes i have different experts on each week wow people to inspire and motivate all good stuff i need all of those things i need motivation tonight i I think we are your inspiration (laughs) and motivation i I think you guys are thank you so much for having me here well beauty for sure I should just Beauty's get it the most important. sent to me automatically because that's how much I need all of those things. But I really do want you guys to try jujitsu too. I oh, always yeah. have to well, get you just talk to, to Carl and I'll just watch. I love that mixed martial arts <laughs> I'll stuff. I'll take photos. <laughs> Ashley Byhan, the greatest producer on the planet, is here. What's up, Ashley? How I'm are living you? Living huh? the dream. Right. Well, you know, well. she was here last night and she's back, so that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. That is we a didn't good scare sign. her off. Well, we'll be here till 1 o'clock. We have classic radio shows we will start things off with the bing crosby show and his special guest is jack benny that is going to be great from 1953 and then lisa's uncle nero wolf we have an adventure of nero wolf it's my great grand uncle yeah great grand uncle from 1950 and that's called the case of the dear dead lady with sydney green street but first, we're going to play our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous, brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, the celebrity is Betty White, so I know we all know Betty White. Yeah. And we are going to be giving away two lawn tickets to Ravinia on July 21st to see Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. All right. right? Yeah. And we're looking for caller three. So call right now, 312-981-7200. Call right now. We're going to play the game. We're going to be right back. Come on, baby. We have Kelly on the phone to play the game with us. Hi, Kelly. Hey. How are you? I'm great. Good. Well, you were caller number three, and we're excited to have you. We're going to be playing with our friend Gen Z as well, so it's going to be like a little party on the air here. Hello. Hi, Kelly. (laughs) All right. And this is about Betty White, and everybody knows and loves, so that should work out great. Okay, guys, number one, she holds the honor of being the oldest person to host Saturday Night Live. Is that real or ridiculous? What do you think, Kelly? 
I would go with real. Real? What do you think, John? Uh, I'm going to say real. Real. All right, real. That is absolutely real. See? This game is so easy, right? <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. Okay, number two. In the 1940s, she worked in radio, appearing on The Great Gildersleeve, and this is your FBI. Real or ridiculous? Oh, jeez. Do you want some oh, help? Was, sure. <laughs> what do you think, Jen? I'm going to say ridiculous. What do you think, Jen's Carl? right. It's ridiculous. And do you want to go along with that, or do you want to disagree with I that? I because I think she's always been comedy. It is real. What? That she is, was on The Great Gildersleeve? That is absolutely true. Oh, I, my gosh. And the 19, she, was, she appeared on The Great Gildersleeve in the 1940s. All right, so this is for you, Kelly. <laughs> and this is for Jen and I. <laughs> Number three. In nineteen, 19- <laughs> that's my goal. In nineteen fifty-four, she hosted and produced her own daily talk show, The Betty White Show. Real or ridiculous? What year? Nineteen fifty-four. Fifty. I don't know about producing that early. I'll go with. Not real. I <laughs> <laughs> real, not real, ridiculous. Whatever. Ridiculous. It's good. Ridiculous. <laughs> what do you think, Jen? I'm gonna go for real. Carl? I think it's ridiculous because I know she had a show called um like Life with Elizabeth or something like that, but not not the Betty White show. Um she had a show. It's called the Betty White Show. Really? And it was on and NBC. She produced it too. She did. She hosted wow. and produced her own daily talk show. So I knew, Jen I'm got like, that she, right. She must have produced she's it. She's Betty White, like she's right? Betty White. She, she can do anything. It. All right. So for this sure. is for Kelly and Carl. <laughs> Carl. This is for Jen. Well, that's what makes I, this I game so got, fun. Did I get them all wrong? Or I think, I I think I you got one right. Oh, yeah. Jeez, but that's good for you. Start. No, that's good for you, Carl. <laughs> um, but the real winner here is Kelly. Kelly, you are going to Ravinia for a beautiful evening under the stars. You've won a pair of lawn tickets to Ravinia. I stink at this game. I know. <laughs> On Sunday, July 21st, to see Gus, <laughs> Ghostbusters celebrating its 35th anniversary. But at least I can talk. Yeah, but you keep interrupting me, so it gets really difficult. <laughs> to see Ghostbusters celebrating its 35th anniversary. If I talk faster, I might get through without him interrupting me. With this score no, played live <laughs> by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, join our very own... Um, Dean Richards. Dean Richards, who will lead a pre-concert discussion. Get your tickets at... Ravinia. Dot... Com. Org. Dot org. Ravinia. Okay. Dot org. If you I, guys if, are so darn cute. You know what? If I interrupt. add him to the conversation, then he can't interrupt me. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to play with you, Kelly. Thank you so much for being such a good sport. Way to go, Thank Kelly. You. Thank you. Take care. Have fun at Ravinia. All right. Our text in line, 312-981-7200. We love getting your text. Text us. We'll be here till 1 o'clock in the morning. We're going to start things off right now with the Bing Crosby Show. Now, he was born Harry Lillis Bing Crosby uh, in 1903, same year as Lisa was born. Yes. Um, he was a um, just one of the best singers of all time, really. Like me as well. Yeah, and... And his trademark 
bass as baritone was one of the one of the greatest voices of all time. I and mean, when you think about like White Christmas and yeah. some of the other songs oh, he sang, that was like I a mean, number he was one. Such a favorite. Yeah. He was the first multimedia star, 1934 through 1954. He was a leader in record sales, radio ratings, and motion picture grosses. He and I have a lot in common. Yep, you he was an do. Academy That's Award amazing. winner for Best Actor as Father O'Malley in Going My Way. Uh, his biggest hit, of course, Irving Berlin's White Christmas, more than 100 million copies sold. Can you imagine wow. that? A, a 100 million copies. White Christmas. I love White Christmas. Yep. His career began in 1931, lasted all the way to 1962. He uh, passed away at the age of 74 in 1977. But we have a 1953 radio broadcast for you now of the Bing Crosby Show. His special guest is Jack Benny from uh, February 12th. And Jack is celebrating his 39th birthday on this show. Here's part one of the Bing Crosby Show. Time in five seconds, 6.30 p.m. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone Welcome you to the Bing Crosby Show, brought to you by the General Electric Company, makers of famous, dependable kitchen and home laundry appliances. Produced and transcribed in Palm Springs, California, with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins of the Mayors, and Bing's guest, Mr. Jack Benny. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from sun-drenched Palm Springs, we bring you our half-baked crooner, Mr. Bing Crosby. <laughs> I don't know if I like that half baked. Could, could you have said parboiled half baked? Sounds a little, <laughs> sounds a little callow, a little gauche. Yeah, Say, is Jack Benny really? Is he on the program tonight? Why, certainly. Hey, you remember Jack was at rehearsal this afternoon. Well, I know he was, but I thought he just dropped by to get a renewal on my subscription to the Saturday Evening Post. <laughs> but don't you recall, hmm? every time you renew your subscription to the Post, Benny does a guest shot for you. Oh, oh, oh that's right. Now, he does quite a magazine business, there, Jack. He's trying for a scholarship, you know. <laughs> For 15 years, he's been working for a scholarship. Well, not to attend college. He wants to buy one. Oh, I see. <laughs> but, Ken, I, I, want, I want you to listen to this. I want to tell you something serious. Yeah. In all honesty, too, Jack may have a lot of sidelines. We all know that. He's got little catch-penny schemes, little dodges of one kind or another, little capers. But primarily, Jack is an actor, and he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And he's a marvelous comedian. He's sensational. You just take his last television show, for instance. It was just thrilling. It was a riot. Hilarious. As a matter of fact, I think it was the greatest television show I have ever been associated with. But you weren't on Benny's program. No. What do you mean it's the greatest television show you were ever associated with? I watched it. Oh. <laughs> you know, we viewers are important on television, too. Well, definitely. Then you, you do watch television, huh, Bing? Like a Hindu flute player watches a cobra. <laughs> Guard, huh? Ain't gonna bite me, that thing. <laughs> you can't hold out forever. Come on, I'll fess up. When are you gonna go on television? Just as soon as I get enough gumption to drag my derriere out of that easy chair. <laughs> well, you have a point there. That's a point. Oh, my. <laughs> 
Absolutely no. <laughs> Ken, to relieve your mind, I'm going to tell you something. Next fall, I'm going to try a TV show. Oh, great. Uh, what sort of an idea do you have for it, Bing? Well, you know the program uh, Arthur Godfrey and His Friends? Mm, Arthur Godfrey and His Friends, very big. Well, I, I figured to do a show something like that, you know. I'm going to call my program, though, Bing Crosby and His Enemies. <laughs> Bing, you have no enemies. Don't worry, Ken. If my program's a hit, plenty of people will hate me. Oh, that's life for <laughs> Starting you. with hope. <laughs> What'd you say? I said that's life Don't for you. Don't mention life, Ken. This week we're concentrating on the Saturday evening post. Sorry. No, Bing. Your life story starts in the post this week, that's doesn't it? That's right. The first of eight installments. Boy, will people be sick of me by the time that series is finished. <laughs> But we've got to get along with an opening selection Better. here, Ken. I've got a little thing. It's a ditty that the Mills Brothers revived recently. Got some new and, and smart lyrics by the great Johnny Mercer. Thing called the glowworm. Of course, this is a General Electric glowworm. <laughs> Light up, will you, John Scott? Shine, little glowworm. Glimmer, glimmer. Shine, little glowworm. Glimmer, glimmer Just lest too far we wander Love's sweet voices calling yonder Shine, little glowworm Glimmer, glimmer Shine, little glowworm Glimmer, glimmer Light the path below Above Glow, little glowworm Glow,
see another little glowworm approaching. There's a hundred-watt gleam in Ken Carpenter's eye as he comes near the microphone. Ma'am, GE's all-electric kitchen includes refrigerator, range, dishwasher, garbage disposal, and storage cabinets. Yet the whole shebang costs you only about $47.20 a month after a small down payment. You can start enjoying life with a General Electric all-electric kitchen right now and pay for it over a three-year period. And your specialist in GE kitchen design, a cooperative and talented lad, will style your kitchen for you without charge. You'll plan it for looks, for efficiency, and for convenience. Say, if you're buying or building a home, plan a General Electric all-electric kitchen right in it. In most places, you can include the cost right in your long-term mortgage. And your GE dealer's the bright-eyed lad to see. Ankle along to his emporium soon, huh? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present our guests for this evening. The internationally famous comedian... Violinist, bon vivant, and uh, playboy, Mr. Jack Benny. Well, thank you, Bing, for that lovely introduction, but I'm, I'm such a sneak, I had no idea you knew I was a playboy. <laughs> I am, though. You are? Yes, in fact, I was thrown out of the Chi-Chi bar twice for dancing too close. <laughs> oh, kidding me. I know all about you, Jack. I could have sung your praises much more extravagantly, you know, in that introduction, but we did devote quite a bit of conversation to you up earlier in the program. I didn't want well, to... Well, that's the kind of stuff people are interested in, I guess. <laughs> I was just telling Ken Carpenter how much I enjoyed you, your most recent television show. It was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. It was? <laughs> Old country's talking about it, Jack. As a matter of fact, I think it overshadowed the presidential inauguration. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, because I like Ike. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't we all? But, Jack, I honestly, I really think that, that it's your TV show top, the inauguration on the TV. I do. And you notice I work bareheaded, I too. I <laughs> I didn't put on my hat, Hamburg. Yeah. <laughs> You're very brave, I must say. I, I just can't stop, though, Jack. I just keep on, wherever I go, gushing over that show. I'm not boring you, am I? Heavens, no, no. Go on, <laughs> gush. Gush. <laughs> what I'm getting at, of course, that was a great show, but all your television shows are great. I, I never miss one of them. You know, Bing, since you're so nice, I'm going to do something for you that I've never done for anyone in my life. What's that, Jack? Well, on my next television show, Sunday, February 22nd... Yes? I'm going to wave at you. <laughs> oh, John. Will you really? Yes, sir. Well, now, don't you forget to wave, because I'm going to invite a lot of people over to the house to watch the show. And when you wave at me, I'm going to stand up and wave right back at you. <laughs> what a schmo. What'd you say? I said, it's a nice show. Oh. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Bing, you know... I, I don't know whether you've got me on the right day. I'm, I'm just not myself today. Right. I'm worried. I have a problem. You see, my birthday is only two days away. I hope you make it. (laughs) 
I've been making it for some time now, you know? <laughs> but what I mean, Bing, is what? that my birthday is just two days off, and I'm worried sick about my surprise birthday party. Well, what are you doing worrying about a surprise party? I don't think anybody's going to give me one. <laughs> See, I got a brilliant thought. This is really a good idea. Maybe we could get someone to throw you a big party in the, in the starlight patio of the El Mirador Hotel, huh? But, Bing, that's Palm Springs' newest and swankiest hotel. Jack, nothing but the best for you. Why don't you talk to Ray Ryan over there? He's one of the owners, a great fellow. I'm sure he'll toss you a big party. Bing, I've met Mr. Ryan, but I don't think he'd give me a party at the El Mirador. Well, why not? Because he threw me and my magazines out of the lobby this morning. <laughs> See, now here's a perfect example, Lisa, of uh, a a show that would qualify to be in the classic radio club, this Bing Crosby show, um, from February 12th, two days before Jack Benny's birthday, 1953, guest Jack Benny starring Bing Crosby. Uh, I looked up a fact. Bing Crosby has over... 500 million records in circulation, so over a half a billion records in circulation. Um, it's amazing when you think about it. I don't even know if uh, if Michael Jackson or anybody like that has that many records in circulation. Just an incredible, uh, incredible personality, and it's fun to hear him on this broadcast. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. So tell me why you say that this would qualify to be in the classic Well, first of all, it's really great quality. And second of all, it's an interesting pairing. You have Bing Crosby, and his guest is Jack Benny. So that's really, really great. You know, two huge stars working together. And um, also, it's fun to talk. It would be fun to talk about this show because Bing Crosby was such a busy uh, actor, uh, singer, and recording artist that um, the only way General Electric and CBS could lure him to the microphone to do a weekly show was to transcribe it. And that was not done. It would, these shows were all live back in the 1940s. But by the early 1950s, they were experimenting with um, uh, tape, with big reel-to-reel tape, uh, Ampex tape. And so they said, look, we'll tape your show. You can, we can do it anytime you want because Bing, he wanted to golf, you know, and he had his horses and he had his baseball team. He was a very busy guy and he's like, I don't want to do a radio show anymore. And so uh, it would be fun to talk about that in the Classic right. Radio Club. So Classic Radio Club, folks, is a club that we have for uh, members of our uh, listening audience if you want to join. Learn all about it at ClassicRadioClub.com. You will get the best of the best of our library of over 100,000 shows. They're always the best quality and most interesting shows in our library. Yeah, and we have a special going on right now for the first month. It's only $1 to join. $1. Oh, yeah, wow. That's right? Shows. So it's an incredible deal because we want you to check it out and give it a shot, and we're so sure you're going to love it that we want to give it to you for a dollar. And yep. if you choose to cancel, you may do that at any time, but we are pretty certain that you will love being a Classic Radio Club member. You can get all the information at the website, ClassicRadioClub.com. Yep, and you'll get copious liner notes about every single show as well. Let's take a quick break, then it's more right here on the WGN Radio Theater. You simply take a favorite day, then you flavor it here with just a note or two of Thank blue harmony. Would you like to dance, Lisa? Um, I need to step on your toes, though, because I'm not a good dancer. You know, ask me again in a little while. <laughs> 
Don't you remember that awkward feeling at the school dance? When oh, yeah. The guy who you did not want to dance with is always the one that asks you and you don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it would be like, I think I want to ask that girl over there. That girl in the corner over there. She's really cute. I want to ask her. Hi, would you like to dance with me? Well, um, I was just leaving. I was just I'm about sure. to. Um, just I'll leaving. be back in a few oh, minutes. Is it my glasses with the tape on it that's bothering you? No. <laughs> no, it's your it's the fact that you don't know how to dance probably and it doesn't look like you've washed your hair in a long time. That could be it. Oh. That yeah. could be it. To be but your hair well. looks pretty clean. Yeah, it, it is. It's very pretty clean. clean. Pretty well, listen, clean. Listen, I take a shower once a week whether I need to or not. <laughs> All right, you ready for the conclusion now to the Bing Crosby show? Let's Lisa? let's do it. All right, here is uh, Jack Benny and Bing Crosby on the Bing Crosby show. No better, Jack, than to hustle in the lobby of the old Mirador. They got a big magazine stand right there. I know. I tell you, it's discouraging. Now, I'd like to get the money for my scholarship together and go to college while I can still play football. <laughs> no more platoon sisters now. But, Bing, since Mr. Ryan is such a good friend of yours, I wish you'd do me a favor. Well, gladly. What is it? Well, I wish you'd drop by the hotel and see him and pick up my order book there. I, in all the excitement this morning, I dropped it. Well, I'll certainly do that, Jack. I'll get your order book. And also, while you're in there, would you check the lost and found and see if they have a paper mate pen? Uh... Oh, did you... You dropped your pen, too? No, but if they have one, I could use it. <laughs> I'll see if they have two, Jack. What a cheap guy. <laughs> we could start a club, both of us. <laughs> yes. But I don't I don't want to be carping or captious, Jack, but I should think that after all the nice things I've said about your work on television tonight, you know I have. Yeah. You could have mentioned my work in pictures, hmm? Well, that's rather a tender subject with me, Bing. You see, I haven't made a picture myself in four or five years. Why not? Nobody asked me. <laughs> Well, let's drop you for a moment, then. Did you happen to see a current Paramount Technicolor extravaganza entitled The Road to Ballet? Oh, yes, yes. I've seen The Road to Ballet. What did you think of it? Well, I enjoyed it very much, considering the fact that I haven't made a picture in four or five years. Ah, <laughs> don't be bitter. I'm not bitter, but, you know, Bing, I worked very hard in the cinema, and nothing ever happened with me. It's true. Yes. What? <laughs> Of course, Bing, I think my trouble in movies was that I was always trying to win an Academy Award. Yeah. You know, I was too conscientious. I was always out to win that Oscar. Then I finally realized that no comedian has ever won the Academy Award. I don't know, it always goes to dramatic actors like Ronald Coleman and Jimmy Stewart and Laurence Olivier and Frederick March. You know, in order to win, Bing, in order to win the Academy Award... You've got to do a picture that has absolutely no laughs in it at all. Well, your last one darn near made it. <laughs> Thing, don't try to cheer me up. <laughs> and let's forget about the movies, Bing. Let's talk about my birthday. Now, if you're not going to give me a party, you're certainly going to give me a present, aren't you? Well, why should I? Well, your brother Bob is getting me something. He's giving me a very expensive gift. Better. He's working for you. <laughs> Incidentally, Jack, Bob told me that he loves his job on your program. Oh, uh, Bob is happy with me, huh? Oh, very. Then let me ask you something. Why do you jeopardize your brother's job and happiness by refusing to buy me a present? 
Why are you worrying about gifts? Because on my birthday, I'd like to open up something besides my mail and my big mouth. I'll tell you what I'll do for you, Jack. Wait a minute. I'll, I'll come up with a birthday gift for you. I absolutely will. If you'll tell me exactly how old you're going to be on February 14th. I'll tell you gladly. You know how I've always kidded Bing about my age? Mm-hmm. You know, all the years I said I was 39. Yeah. Of course, that was just a gag, you know. <laughs> you know I, I expect... <laughs> no, I, you know what I mean, 39. <laughs> well, silly, you know. Now I can really tell the truth, you know. Just so happens that this coming birthday, I will really be 39. <laughs> Is that how you say that? Mm, yeah. Mm. But Bing, the way you look, you don't believe me. The way you look, I can't. <laughs> but Bing, look at the suntan I have. Oh, but Jack, let's face it. There's old suntan and there's young suntan. <laughs> you know, I thought of that while I was shaving this morning and nearly cut my throat. <laughs> Oh, you should let it worry you, Jack. Laugh it off. It's nothing. Oh, it's easy for you to say it's nothing. You're just a kid. Well, his eyes are gone. We know that. <laughs> but to get back to your present, Jack, I must know exactly how old you are before I give it to you. Get Quit stalling. I told you I'm going to be 39. Okay. Bring out the birthday cake, Ken. Birthday cake? Yep. For little me? Little birthday cake. Oh, it's beautiful. Pink frosting with blue writing. Yes. The blue writing just matches your eyes. Yeah, doesn't it? Right. (laughs) And say, what are those cute green candles on there? Jack, those aren't candles. Those are 39 brand new $1 bills, each rolled up and stuck in the cake. Dollar bills? Give me the matches, Ken. Are you crazy? (laughs) Jack, that's the whole idea of the ceremony. We're going to light those $39 bills, and you're going to blow them out. Wait, I never blew $39 in my life. Just give me my cake, that's all. Give me the cake. Thanks, Ken. I'll deposit it in the morning. <laughs> and Bing, this is a wonderful birthday present. How'd you ever think of it? Oh, it's very simple, Jack. You, you said you were 39 years old, so I gave you $39. Hmm. <laughs> Bing. Hmm? Bing boy (laughs) Would you Like to know how old I'm really going to be No, no, Jack I I don't like to pry into anyone's personal affairs Happy birthday Hmm. Boy If I'd have told the truth I'd have walked out of here loaded Ladies and gentlemen, 
Gives me great pleasure indeed to present our violin soloist of the evening. What? What'd you say? Jack, I was just I was just announcing our violin soloist. Oh, Bing, it's not necessary to announce me. Well, it certainly isn't because you are not our violin soloist. You're kidding, of course. Not at all, Jack. You see, we have a regular featured violinist on the show, a fellow named Joe Venuti. Oh, Venuti? Yeah. Oh, he's very good. I think so. I don't. <laughs> One thing about you, Jack, you're honest. I don't know. I think I'm a heel. Yeah, but you're an honest heel. Well, that's hard to do, you know. <laughs> here is our violin virtuoso, Mr. Joe Venuti. Hi, Joe. Is this the place? Yes, sir. <laughs> this is indeed the place, Joe, and I have a rare treat in store for you. I want you to meet Jack Benny. Jack Benny? How do you do? I bow to the master. <laughs> What's your selection for tonight, Joe? My selection tonight is Body and Soul. Oh, a beautiful number. This is a special arrangement for violin, cowbell, and electric razor. <laughs> yes, I must hear. Go right ahead, Joe. frothy, very lacy. Bing, what do you think Jack Benny asked me just before the show? How much money he was getting? Oh, it wasn't that. <laughs> Jack said, Ken, why are so many people talking about the great new 1953 General Electric Roto-Cold Refrigerator? Oh, yes. He knows what side his paycheck is buttered he on. He certainly does. Anyway, Bing, I said, well, Jack, this is GE's new Roto-Cold Refrigerator with automatic defrosting. It's a fact. You never have to defrost this refrigerator ever. 
I trust Jack evinced a commendable concern over GE's famous rotocold, oh, Ken? Oh, indeed he did. And I informed him how wonderfully that rotocold protects food, keeps it safer, fresher, longer. And I told him that the capacity is greater now than ever before. Why, the full-width freezer alone holds up to 48 packages of frozen foods. And there are door shelves and a handy swing basket for extra storage space for small items. Ken, knowing how snug Jack is with a buck, it seems inevitable that he must have approached the delicate subject of price. Oh, sure. And I just said, why, Jack, this great 1953 General Electric Roto-Cold refrigerator will only cost you about $3.94 a week after a small down payment. My friends, if you want to make refrigerator talk, your General Electric dealer is the man for you. See him tomorrow, huh? I guess this song just had to be a great song And as much as two of the greatest songwriters in the business collaborated on it Ogie Carmichael and Frank Lesser Heart and soul I fell in love with you Heart and soul The way a fool would do Manly Because you held me tight And stole a kiss in the night Heart and soul I beg to be adored Lost control And tumbled overboard Madly that magic night we kissed There in the moonlit Oh, but your lips were thrilling Much too thrilling Never before were mine so strangely But now I see what one embrace can do. Look at me, it's got me loving you madly. That little kiss you stole held all my heart. Folks, that represents our closer for tonight. My thanks to Jack Benny for guesting with us this evening. Folks, before I shove off, I'd like to tell you a little story about Jack. This is a true yarn. Happened the other day. I was out at the Tamarisk Golf Club. Jack strolled into the bar. I asked him if he'd like to have a drink, and he said that he wasn't thirsty, but would it be all right if he ordered a golf ball? That's right, Bing. You had a Hawaiian punch, and I had a Spalding dot. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jack. Folks, remember General Electric dependability. You can't see it, but it's there in every single GE appliance you buy. You can put your confidence in General Electric. Good night, and thank you very, very much.
for General Electric was produced and transcribed in Palm Springs, California by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Miss Joanne Gilbert and Joe Venuti. This is the PBS. KCBS and KCBS-FM, the star's address in San Francisco. The time in five seconds, 7 p.m. Well, actually, the time in five seconds will be 11.53 and 20 seconds. So, there you go. Have a mic on. There we go. Why do you keep turning my mic off tonight? What's going on, Carl? <laughs> You're feeling know. powerful over there. <laughs> <laughs> In control of all the buttons. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more. By the way, that was Bing Crosby from February 12th, 1953. Guest Jack Benny. We'll be right back. All right. Well, you know what? In our next hour, Lisa, you know what we have? I do, Carl. What? We have The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, my great-grand-uncle. absolutely right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm feeling really uh, good about... You so know, what happened? How come family? he has an E at the end of his name, Wolf? Because he spells it wrong. Oh, I thought maybe <laughs> when he came through Ellis Island... He, he just does just it wrong. locked off the E. He was confused, but I've got it straightened out now. Got it. All right, well, uh, Sydney Greenstreet... He was Casper uh, Gutman on uh, the movie The Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart. He um, he did a regular radio series where he played Nero Wolf from nineteen uh, well forty nine and fifty, and we have an episode from nineteen fifty coming your way the next hour. We'll also play our game: Is it real or is it ridiculous? That is uh, coming your way in just a few minutes, so stick around. Chicago stories told twenty four seven. On 720 WGN Chicago, smart speaker users just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. And uh, we have Vic Vaughn up there with the news. Carl, may I have this dance? (laughs) (laughs) What song is this? Begin the Begin or something like that? No, something else. Moon Glow. Oh, Moon Glow, yeah. Oh, yeah. Moon glow. You have a very good voice. Oh, wow. Thank you. You very haven't much. heard much of Thank it, though. You may not very... say that if you continued <laughs> past the word. Thank you very much. <laughs> Why don't you give her a little taste you of sing. your voice? Like that little I, hum. I can only sing nice. like two songs. Um, one is um, Love Potion Number 9. Right. Oh, I remember. I can do we Love did Potion that. Number 9. Okay. And then uh, whatever, if it's a talking song, like, you know, like Love Potion Number 9. It's not, you don't have to sing. You know, you're talking through the song. Mm-hmm. I could do those. Um, tie he's a yellow, an excellent talker. Tie a Yellow Ribbon. I can do <laughs> Tie a Yellow Ribbon around mm-hmm. the old oak tree. Little Orlando, Tony Orlando and Dawn. But uh, I won't. Wait. I won't. Uh, I, I, won't I just want to um, um, hear that right now. No. Make a we quick... want you to come back. Okay. Right. Well, <laughs> they'll scare you away. I mean, I appreciate. I'm going to make a quick mention that tax line wasn't working. So if you texted and I didn't answer, I'm so sorry. But it's working now. Okay. Um, so I'm getting all the texts in. I don't know if I'm getting them all, but if you want to text me now, um, text yeah, me. Yeah, we're now. here for <laughs> about an hour or more. Three one two. Fifty two minutes <laughs> to be exact. Three one two. And then we're out. Nine eight one seven. I said about. About an hour more, 312-981-7200. eight minutes is significant. In this hour, we have the new adventures of Nero Wolf, good detective adventure starring Sidney Greenstreet. But before that, we're going to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Yes. Uh, the celebrity is Henry Winkler. And we yeah. all know and love him from Happy Days and sure. other things. And we're going to be giving away what, Carl? 
Um, probably tickets to Ravinia. Yep, we're going to give away a pair of lawn tickets to Ravinia Sunday, July 21st to see... Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, see, he's got it all. Dean Richards will be there. There's the buzzword. And you uh, just, uh, you know, here's what Lisa does. She goes to Ravinia. She she brings like 12 bottles of wine. Roma wine. Roma wine. Right, for sure. She pops them all open. Drink some. That's there on the stars. Drink some Roma wine. Well, what better place is there other than Ravinia to have a free drink? It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's lovely. I'm on WZ. And just watch it. Listen to me. Well, maybe Dean Richards will let me hang out with him there that day. Anyhow, we're going to play the game. And we're looking for caller number six. That's Would a good number. Would you like a glass yeah. of wine? I like the threes. You're doing three, six. Right. I, there must be number. a reason for that. Three, one, two. Get it? Three, one, two, nine, eight, one, seventy, two hundred. Or you can do it like Carl does it. Three, one, two, nine, eight, one, seven, two hundred. Either way, we're looking for caller three. Call right now. We'll be right back. Come on, baby. All right, we're going to play a little Real or Ridiculous with Karen. She's on the phone. Hey, Karen. Hello. Hello, how are you? Doing okay. Terrific. We're going to do a little Real or Ridiculous with Henry Winkler. You guys ready to go? Yeah. Okay, terrific. Number one, executives had him wear a windbreaker at the beginning of Happy Days instead of his leather jacket. Is that real or ridiculous? You're up first. I say ridiculous. Jen? I say ridiculous. It's real, 100%. It is real. They didn't want, it's true, they didn't want him to be depicted as like a hoodlum, so they started off with a a windbreaker in the beginning. Here's for you guys. (laughs) I I second-guessed myself. Here's for me. (laughs) I'm making a comeback. Okay, number two. He was a motorcycle enthusiast and took motorcycle stunt classes for Happy Days. Real or ridiculous, Karen? Ridiculous. Jen? Real. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> laughing. Here's for um, here, go ahead. So he was absolutely terrified of motorcycles, yeah. and the scenes were shot in a stationary bike attached to a moving truck. Here's because for he would not ride Karen. the motorcycle. Here's for Karen and Carl. <laughs> And here's for Jen. All right, you have a chance to redeem yourself, Jen. Okay, You're on a roll here. here. Oh, you are. Number three, he is an accomplished writer and the author of 12 children's novels. Real or ridiculous? Karen, what do you Explain think, Karen? real. Jen? Oh, boy, let's just say real. I'll go with Karen. <laughs> just go with the flow, let's Jen. go with the flow. Wow, that's a tough one. It sure I'm going to go real. It's real. All right. You all wow. got it right. 12 novels. That's pretty impressive. Wow. It is. And Karen, you are the winner here. We are so thrilled to give you a pair of lawn tickets to Ravinia on Sunday, July 21st to see Ghostbusters celebrating its 35th anniversary with a score played live by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And you can join our very own Dean Richards, who will lead a pre-concert discussion. Get your tickets at Ravinia.org. Thank you so much for playing, Karen. You did a great job. I hope you enjoy your night under the stars oh, sure will. thank you terrific thanks karen okay once again gen z her podcast is getting zen with gen z yeah and yeah. how can people find it 
they can go to WGNRadio.com or anywhere they get their podcasts through any yeah. app. And it comes out every Wednesday, so you can look for Gen Z on Wednesday. And we're yes. going to post a picture with our podcast for tonight's show, and Gen Z will be in the photo. So if you are dying to see what Jen <laughs> looks like, this is your lucky day. Check out her podcast, oh, folks. All right, it's time now for the New Adventures of Nero Wolf, good detective series starring Sydney Greenstreet as Rex Stout's Gargant and Gourmet, first aired in the 1940s, starring Santos Ortega. But then by 1949, Sidney Greenstreet took over the role and did a great job. And this is a broadcast from November 3rd, 1950, called The Case of the Dear Dead Lady, part one now of the new adventures of Nero Wolf. My boss is the smartest and the stubbornest, the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the world, Nero Wolf. It's the adventure of the case of the dear dead lady with that brilliant eccentric private detective, orchid fancier and gargantuan gourmet, Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. <laughs> just come downstairs, having tended to his precious orchids. He was, as usual, seated in the library, which served as the office. He had just dialed a phone number, and with his eyes closed, was leaning back in his specially built chair, which was big enough for two, but not two of him. Mr. Halsberger, this is Nero Wolf. Oh, oh, yeah, Mr. Wolf. I was just about to ring you. Well, I have need of two pounds of duck liver. Ah. I do not, of course, refer to the commercialized Strasbourg pate. Well, I appreciate the order, Mr. Wolf, but... Uh... Next, my cook, Fritz, informs me that we require three fine fat geese. Look, Mr. Wolf, there's a little matter of an unpaid... You bill. might add 12 cases of beer, a bushel of Vermont apples, green for stuffing, and a gallon of Marquisa Patrisa Roman oil. Mr. Wolf. In addition, I... Fritz has listed six dozen eggs, four braces of Sussex woodcock, and a few pounds of Westphalian ham. You have all that? Well, I, I can get it, Mr. Wolf, but my book... Thanks very much, Mr. Halsbracker. That will be all. Now... <clears throat> Now then, Archie. Yes, boss? You seem to be worried. Oh, I am. This means naturally that I'm supposed to handle Haltzbrecher's delivery boy when and if he shows. I had thought of leaving a simple matter to you. And what about the simple matter of the money? Money? I, I hate to bring up a vulgar subject, but where is it coming from? Oh, of course. You're right, Archie. I should have said... Said that... what? Charge it. Boss, look, you don't realize, I know, but we're into that truffle broker for 500-odd bucks and change. All right, all right, then give him a check. Okay. Okay, I will give him a check. And I hope they'll let you keep the orchids in your cell. You're a wit, Archie. Uh-huh. You know, I'm on the bank's mailing list. We got a notice this morning. You don't mean... Oh, but I do. Again? Yeah, you just can't take money out of an account, boss. 
Sometimes you gotta put some in. This is the only way to deal with the man I work for, and if I hadn't thrown him that scare, he wouldn't have been willing to listen when the door buzzer rang, and a prosperous-looking young guy in the kind of clothes that don't grow on trees came in and stood in front of the boss's chair, fiddling with the brim of his pork pie. My name is Oliphant, Mr. Wolf. Oliphant? Uh, yes, sir, Oliphant. I am the spiritual leader and guiding head of a small religious group known as the Seekers of the Inner Power. Ah, I see. Also a man addicted to marrying neither wisely nor well, but often. You read the papers. I do. Uh, Mr. Wolf, I am as aware of my sin-ridden past as anyone else is. The point is that I'm no longer that kind of man. Even a person such as I can see the light in time. Good. Might I ask why you've come to see me, Mr. Oliphant? I need your help, Mr. Wolf. Concerning? A certain young lady with whom I'm deeply in love. Oh, I beg you not to confuse the present emotion with any of my earlier escapades. What I feel for Miss Dana is the pure and righteous glow of an upright seeker of the inner power. I promise to look on you as thoroughly redeemed, Mr. Oliphant. Proceed. Oh, by the way, do I recognize the name of your young lady as a Park Avenue socialite, an amateur swimming champion? Yes, but she's sweet, wonderful, beautiful. I've asked her to marry me, and she's given me some hope. In time, I fully expect to make her my wife. Well, then where's the problem? The problem is the presence of another man in her life. I'm sorry, sir. I'm a detective, not a matchmaker. Oh, this isn't a question of making a match, Mr. Wolf. I have much too much respect for your talents to think of offering you such an assignment. Exactly. What do you want me to do? I want you to save Ilse Dana's life. A life? Mr. Wolf, this other man I spoke of is insanely jealous. Not only of Ilse's present, but of her past as well. He has threatened to kill her. I don't doubt your earnestness in this matter, Mr. Oliphant, but how would you know? I was listening on an extension in Miss Dana's apartment a few days ago when Hunter called. Hunter? Yes, sir. Jack Hunter. Known as Jack the Babe Hunter. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I know that canvas bag. Huh? Sure. He's a coffee and cake prelim waltz. Oh, he's not. He's a boxer. Archie is being fancy. Overlook it, Mr. Oliphant. Is Hunter in love with this lady of yours? I doubt it. He's a man of complete moral and spiritual corruption, I believe. Naturally, you would. But what are the facts? In my opinion, he's after her for her money. She has money? To burn. And you, Mr. Oliphant? Me. Can you also afford to burn? How much do you want? The answer to that would be astronomical. However, if you leave a check for, say, $7,000, I shall look into your matter the very moment I have completed a little research into the nutrition of the Polynesian orchid. <laughs> Elephant's check gave our bank account a slight blood transfusion. I think it was the boss's plan to spend a week or two in the plant room before he got busy on the case. And he'd have done it, too, if that phone call hadn't come in about a little after nine, just after Wolf had polished off one of Fritz's dinners and was settling back with a stein of beer in his hand. Don't disturb yourself, Archie. I'll get it. Now, well, look out. You don't strain yourself, boss. You got to straighten out an elbow to reach that receiver. You have an unfortunate flair for mixing humor with impertinence, my friend. Hello, Nero Wolf speaking. This is Elsa Dana, Mr. Wolf. How do you do, Miss Dana? We were discussing you only this morning. So I've heard. Through whom? 
dead elephant. I see. The young man seemed to be quite worried about you. The young man should tend to his own affairs. He said you were in some danger. I know what he said. And not one word of it was true. Oh? Uh, I'd like to talk to you, Mr. Wolf. I'm sure it'll be an immense pleasure. Where do you live? I have an apartment at uh, 22 Blanton Street. Could you be here soon? I could be there in a quarter of an hour, Miss Dana. By proxy, of course. Proxy, naturally, was yours truly. Ten minutes later, at twenty past nine, I walked up to Elsa Dana's door with a nosy elevator boy giving me the double O. The reason for his interest was that her door was open and the room inside was empty except for a little twisted pile of pale pink satin, which at close range turned out to be a woman. Which woman turned out to be Elsa Dana? And Elsa Dana was dead. <laughs> used to be pretty. She isn't now. Yeah, strangulation doesn't help any girl's looks, son. Make anything of it? Well, the position of her body and the bloodstains on her pointed fingernails tells me that she put up a tough struggle before somebody succeeded in smothering with a pillow from the sofa over there. Yeah, that figures. When did it happen, I wonder? Yeah, the last 15 minutes, I'd guess. Say, who's been up in the elevator this evening? Nobody for her. Well, somebody came up. Well, who says not? They could have used the stairs, you know. Yeah. How well do you know Miss Dana? I know exactly zero about Miss Dana. How could you write her up and down every day and know nothing about her? It's a rule at a house to keep your mouth shut. The rule also goes when being questioned by a cop. A cop? Who's a cop? Oh, I guess you're a cello player from the Philharmonic. Look, I happen to work for a guy named Nero Wolf. Oh. Heard of him? Maybe. Well, if your memory comes alive, son, I might see my way clear to, uh... Spend a few dollars with you. Understand? I'll keep you in mind. Going down, mister? I spent time trying to get sense out of the superintendent and a set of chambermaids, but they were as quiet as a ballpark on Christmas Eve. Then I called the cops and told them about Oliphant and Hunter. By the time I got home, the house was dark and Nero Wolf was sleeping. Next morning, I gave him the details while he drank three bottles of beer. When I finished, he sat for a long time and then started another bottle. The prize fighter. What about the prize fighter, Archie? Hunter? Well, I, I phoned the hotel he lives in before you got up. And? They told me he wasn't in. Hmm. You know, I begin to think that Mr. Oliphant brought us a more absorbing case than he suspected. You know, I'm glad you like it. I don't like it. I don't like work of any variety. But this thing has its points. Well, what do we do next? Next, we investigate my client. What? Merely because a reformed playboy employs a detective doesn't exempt him from suspicion action. Oh, now who's that? I'm afraid we have no choice but to open the door and see. My name is Young. Barstow Young. It's nice meeting you, Mr. Young. What do you want? I want to see Nero Wolf. About? Uh, about a certain young lady with whom I am deeply in love. What? Will you repeat that? I want to see Mr. Wolf about a certain young lady with whom I am deeply in love. Mm -hmm. Her name, please? Ilsa Dana. Is it possible that you entertain plans of making her your wife? Why, uh, yes, but uh, there's a problem involved. Another man? Yes. Well, and do come in. Do come in. I think we've been waiting for you. Oh, Mr. Wolf. 
Here's another one. Ah, oh, Mr. Wolf. You've come to me about Mr. Ilsa Dana, sir? I have come to you, more specifically, about a man who has threatened her life. Hmm. How unusual. He's the treacherous kind. Mild-mannered, you know. As we say in my profession, he underplays it. Your profession, then, is the stage. It is, sir. Go on, you interest me deeply. I was present recently when he told her that he would certainly kill her unless she mended her sinful ways. Sinful? No one denies that Ilsa has had, uh, shall we say, a checkered career. But the man's attitude is totally fanatical. What's his particular brand of fanaticism, Mr. Young? Theodore Oliphant is a religious maniac. Well, what do you know? He's come to give Theodore a bad report card. I don't understand. I, I've come to ask Mr. Wolfe to prevent his murdering Miss Dana. Am I allowed a direct question, sir? Why, of course. Where were you between 9 and 9.20 p.m. last night? 9 and 9.20? Why do you ask? You said I was permitted a direct question. Oh, well, I was walking in the uh, park, as I remember. Do you make a habit of walking in the park? I have lately. I'm preparing for an important role in the forthcoming production. What's so important about last night? From your point of view, a great deal, sir. Well, what do you mean? Last night, Miss Ilsa Dana was murdered. What? Mr. Goodwin here discovered the body. No. I'm afraid I must insist, Mr. Young. Uh, oh, why, why are you looking at me like that? Uh, are you accusing me of a... I have accused you of nothing, my dear sir. Well, now, look, you're making a mistake. Oliphant killed her. You may be sure of that. I have your word. I know him. He was trying to reform her. Wanted to make her a devout follower of his cult, the Seekers of Power. I heard him tell her to her face that if she refused redemption, he would see to it that she didn't live on in her wickedness. You could produce other witnesses. Do you know... In your own smug way. You're as detestable a character as I have ever had. All right, all right. Let's everybody take five. Yeah? Hello, Wolf. He's busy. This is Archie Goodwin. You'll do, Goodwin. This is Jack the Babe Hunter. Oh? Uh, how are you? Great. Except the cops seem to want to talk to me about some murder fandango because as I get it, you name my name. You got it wrong. I doubt it, and I'm coming over there to set you straight. That's the first portion of the new adventures of Nero Wolf from November 3rd, 1950. Um, the uh, Cindy Greenstreet plays Nero Wolf on this. I was reading about this series and um, doing some research, and I was always wondering why... Archie Goodwin, who is his assistant, you know, Nero Wolf was this gargantuan gourmet detective. He never really left his brownstone house. He would send out his you know, man assistant, you know, his male assistant to solve the crime, and he would tell him, oh, do this, do that. I always wondered why the male assistant, uh, Archie Goodwin, was a different actor Almost every week, it was like a different actor that they. On this one, it's Lawrence Dobkin, but there was Gerald Moore. There was all these different actors. Apparently, Sidney Greenstreet, uh, at this time in his life, was um, had a pretty bad illness. I can't remember what the illness was, but he was really difficult to be around. He was not feeling well, and he used to take it out on his co-stars. And oh, they I know how that oh is. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel for him. Please, <laughs> it's like I get it. Yeah, and and I guess he was like impossible to work with, like Lisa. Is. Oh wow, wow, that's not and hard to understand literally. Either. I mean, the producers were going nuts because, like Ashley, <laughs> they could not keep an Archie Goodwin on the show. So they had Sidney Greenstreet. He was contracted. He was near a wolf. But the Archie Goodwin guy, well, they could replace him. Nobody wanted to work with this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sound familiar? Oh, no. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get back to near a wolf. After the news, it is uh, 1232. Time for news. Here is Vic Vaughn. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Well, Lisa Wolf, what do we have next week when we come back here? Well, on Saturday night, we have a special one hour segment of suspense. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. I don't know if we've ever aired an hour long suspense. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can look forward to that. And then one of my favorite shows, You Bet Your Life. And I know our listeners are always texting when we play You Bet Your Life saying, we Are you love familiar it, with You Bet more. Your Life, Jen? No. Yeah, Groucho Marx. Did was a quiz the host show. Okay. Um, on radio and TV. Oh, I th- yeah. okay. Yeah. And yeah, we always say, say how this Santa would... Santa's word and divided by $100. <laughs> and we always say this would work today. Carl and I want to do it. I bet it your would. life right here in WGN Radio. Yep, so that's Saturday. Listening. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday, we've got Dangerous Assignment. It's a very dangerous kind of an episode. Ooh. <laughs> and we've Lots got, of intrigue. And we've got a comedy with my friend Irma. So you'll have to come back. Yeah. I, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Suspense. We, so we have like That's a suspense drama. Then we have a quiz show. And then an espionage show. And then a comedy. Good I mean, luck, pretty Lisa. Amazing. Wow. I, I like to mix things up. That's great. <clears throat> great job. <laughs> All right. Let's get back now to Nero Wolf. Why'd you ring me in on this mess, Wolf? You knew the girl pretty well. Me and how many more? Besides, what time was she murdered? Last night between 9 and 9.20. I see. So if you would inform the police where you were at the time, that should be that. Yeah. By the way, Mr. Hunter, where were you at the time? I don't see your badge, Wolf. I was only wondering. I haven't been near the Dana woman for over a month. But if you're really interested, I'll give you the name of the killer. Please do not keep us in suspense, Mr. Hunter. A couple of years back, Ilsa financed a guy in a big and lousy Shakespearean play that closed like a clam and nothing flat. Go on. There was money down the drain. The guy's got nerve. And he was in love with her, and he figured she'd do anything for him. So he comes back to her to finance him again. This time in Hamlet, no less. I see. I don't have to tell you what a flop that would be. You needn't tell me the actor's name either. You know? Mr. Bastow Young just lived here. Yeah? Well, he's your man, Wolf. He got so sore when she told him she wouldn't toss any more moolah into his broken-down career, he went off his rocker and tore it down. Your reason for thinking so? I met him on the street one day, and he started beefing to me with blood in his eyes. So I could do not to punch him. The results might have been less fatal if you'd followed your instincts, sir. I couldn't. Guy's built like a broomstick. He's weak as a cat. Hit him once, he'd crack like dry plaster. I see. Mm-hmm. What's on your mind? 
This man you're accusing of Miss Stainer's murder, Mr. Hunter, he was very much in love with her. She was thinking about marrying him, he said. He said? Yes, he did. I heard him, too. He was talking to a skullcap. Ilsa wasn't going to marry anybody. No? No, she couldn't. Why couldn't she? Well, well, she just couldn't, that's all. So long. Well, now we got a perfect circle with everybody pointing at everybody else and nobody able to prove a thing. What Hunter says isn't impossible, Archie. You think Young did it? I don't think at all yet. But if there's anything more dangerous than a woman scorned, it's an actor scorned. We have another visitor. Yeah, who are you expecting? At this point, anybody. Hi. Oh, you. Yeah, I told you you might hear from me. Come on in. Who's this? A uh, fellow runs the elevator at 22 Blanton Street. What do you got for me, kid? Postcard. Postcard? Here, the cops missed it, but I spotted the edge stuck under a rug. Nice of you to have delivered it. Or maybe he was just being curious. Curious? It's not every elevator boy who has a chance to see Nero Wolf in the flesh. Oh, him? <laughs> Come off it, high pockets. I'm here because you mentioned something about spending a few bucks. Oh. I wouldn't cross the street to see the best gumshoe that ever breathed. Look, gumshoes don't breathe, and how would you like a sock? Archie. Pay him and let him go. Yeah, pay me or let me go. Sure, Mr. Wolf. Here you are. Thanks. Don't mention it. Anytime, pal. Anytime. How do you like that fresh little punk? Archie, the lad has done us nobly. Yeah? A typewritten card addressed to Miss Ilsa Dina. Well, what's it say? Rather peculiar message. Have you prayed tonight? It's signed with the single letter O. Have you prayed tonight? Yes. Signed O? Exactly. Weird, isn't it? Well, what's weird about it? What could be plainer? Have you prayed tonight? Now, I ask you, who is the man in this deal who's interested in praying? All of us, I hope, are God-fearing. All right, all right. But I ask you again, what does O stand for? It could stand for O'Brien, Obituary, Omaha. What about Oliphant? Oliphant, too. Uh, what, what's with this indifference? The case is cracking and you slough it off. You remember what Young said? Oliphant threatened to kill her because she wouldn't join that cockeyed movement of his. Don't exhaust yourself, Archie. We have a hard night ahead. Yes, but I don't understand. But I don't mean to stifle your imagination, my friend. But if you'd reserve your deductions for a little while, you could lend me some much-needed assistance. What do you want? I want you to become a burglar. A burglar? I want you to hurry over to the dead woman's apartment on Branton Street and ransack it. For what? How do I know? We need help. Anything may help us. Go through the place with a fine tooth comb. I tore the late Miss Dana's apartment to shreds, but I saw nothing. Then, just as I was about to give it up as a bum job, I noticed a little writing desk in the living room. Fried loosed the lock and spotted something among a pile of papers that belonged to no well-to-do flat. It was a pawn ticket. Lot 8N046. And the address was a pawn shop around the corner on 6th Avenue. It wasn't more than 90 seconds later that I walked into the joint and tossed the ticket across the counter. Oh, oh yeah, this, sir. Uh, Want to redeem it. And fast, up, Pops. That's nothing that's worth much, mister. No? No. Oh, what is it? This? Small steel filing box. Oh. Anything in it? I don't know. Come to me locked. Never been able to get it open. 
Smashed the front end with a poker. There were some odds and ends inside, old earrings, some thumbtacks, a cigarette lighter, just trash. Then the boss stuck his fingers in and pulled out a plum. This is it. What do you mean, this is it? You fail to recognize this classic document? Huh? A marriage license, Archie. A marriage license. Yeah, well, whose marriage license? The wording is self-explanatory. Listen. This is to certify, etc., etc., thus licensing on this third day of May, 1946, the marriage of Miss Ilsa Dana to Mr. Johan Jaeger. Johan Jaeger? Exactly. Well, who in the world is Johan Jaeger? We'll soon see. I don't get it. I can understand. It's a befuddling little puzzle. It'll be very easy for one to make a fatal mistake here. But, of course, you won't. I won't. later, I'd herded all the suspects into the office, and he sat in his chair and glared at them. Oliphant, Young, and Hunter. It was tense and tight, and the boss let it stay that way, saying not a word to anybody while he calmly sipped his beer. It was Oliphant who cracked first. I didn't kill Ilsa. I couldn't have. Jealousy is a very compelling motive, Mr. Oliphant. And you came to me, remember, complaining that there was another man in Ilsa Dana's life? Whatever I complained about him, and jealous as I was, I didn't kill her as the sacred power is my holy judge. Being unacquainted with your sacred power, I'd have to ask you for a better authority. Sacred power? Oh, it simply wouldn't have been possible for me to have done it. Why not? Yeah, why not? Because I... I was at Mickey's Night Owl Club last night from 7 until 4 a.m., Contemplating the sacred power, no doubt. That can be proved, Mr. Oliphant? Well, let me call now. Let the head waiter tell you. Hmm. Well, you take your embarrassment as an indication that you're telling the truth. Hey, wait a minute. You, you can't let him off like that. Don't be bothersome, Archie. Yeah, but we got that card he wrote, the one about have, have you prayed tonight, signed with his initial. He didn't write that card, Archie. Now, look. And the O is not his initial, is it, Mr. Barstow Young? Uh, I'm afraid I, I don't understand. On the contrary, I'm afraid you do. But for the record, I'll explain. Oh, Archie. Yes, boss? Hand Mr. Young that large red volume off the shelf behind Mr. Hunter's head. This one? That one, thank you. Now then, Mr. Young, you will favor me by opening the volume to page 1133. But why? Open it, sir. Good. You will now count six lines down from the top and read what you see. Have you prayed tonight? Thank you, Mr. Yang. What the devil is going Mr. on? Mr. Yang has just given us a reading from a tragedy. The line, have you prayed tonight, is spoken by the hero to the heroine just before he murders her. The name of the heroine is Desdemona. And the hero, as I'm sure you all know, is Othello. Othello. Yeah, the O was not Oliphant, Archie. Othello, I think, was a Shakespearean play which Miss Dana financed for our Mr. Young. And knowing she would recognize the quotation as well as the threat behind it, he sent it to her to warn her that he meant to murder her. You won't have the unmitigated gall to deny that, will you, Mr. Young? No. No, I don't deny it. Do I call the police? But I didn't kill her. The fact that I sent the car doesn't mean I killed her. Well, it'll do for my money. But not for mine, Archie. What? Mr. Young couldn't have killed Miss Dana. Why not? Because he lacks the strength to strangle such a healthy young woman, a champion athlete. Wide awake and full of fight. 
He's rather a frail person, as we know, and smothering Miss Dana with that pillow was no easy task. She struggled. Therefore, she clawed the wrists of the murderer. I'm sure that if you examine Mr. Young's wrists, you will find no scratches or scars. Here, let me see that. Go ahead. Well, Archie? Yeah, you're right. Nothing. I was sure there wouldn't be. The person who actually killed Miss Dana was a powerful physical specimen. Yeah? Yes, Mr. Hunter. In all probability, a professional athlete. A muscular man in good condition. You pointing at me? Seems quite likely, doesn't it? You're out of your head. Am I? Yeah. Yes, Adina. Varia Frau. Neat Yavor. I... I mean... You said, yeah, Mr. Hunter. And you meant, yeah, yes. I asked you in German if Elsa Dana was your wife, and you, in the heat of emotion, answered me yes in your mother tongue. Look, what's going on here? Allow me to present Mr. Johann Jäger, Archie. Him? I've known it since we first saw that marriage license. You see, Jack Hunter is the English translation of our friend's real name back in Germany. Where he comes from, Mr. Johann Jäger. Oh, what do you know? So you proved nothing. Yeah, I was married to Ilse. That's why I said she couldn't marry anybody else. But I didn't kill her. She was my wife. I loved her. Oliver told us you were insanely jealous of her. What if he did? You know better. Do we? Sure you do. You also told yourself over the phone that every word Oliphant said was a lie. Interesting. What is? How you could possibly know what Ilsa Dana told me over the phone. I hadn't mentioned it to you or anybody else. Oh, well, well, you see it. I see most clearly, Mr. Yeager. That you must have been in the apartment with her listening on the extension phone, or you couldn't possibly have that information. And it was only a few minutes after that telephone call that Ilsa Dana was smothered to death. But I see it's about time I said good night. Wait up, Yeager. Wait Good work, Archie. I advise you to sit still, Mr. Johan Yeager Hunter. I was right. I told you he threatened the killer. But why? I only guessed at the story. Reconstructed it, so to say. But I think you and Mr. Young are to be congratulated. On what, sir? On not having won your fair lady. You've always thought of her as a sweet, demure society girl. But actually, she was a vicious person, as bad as the man who killed her, if not worse. She tortured him cruelly for four long years. How can you say that about her? How can you doubt it, Mr. Oliphant? There must have been a great many men in her life. We know at least two, definitely, you and Mr. Young. But she was in love with me. She was in love with me. I'm sorry to shatter your illusions, but she was not in love with either of you. She was using you for her purpose. What was her purpose? Tormenting the man she married. That was her preoccupation day and night. She delighted in tyrannizing over him. As one might in breaking a bull or taming a wild mustang. Do I come near the truth, Hunter? Yes. Until I couldn't stand it any longer. May I ask then why you married her? Why? Because I couldn't help myself. I crawled for her. I married her on the terms that nobody should ever know I was her husband. She was too good for me, she told me that to my face, over and over. But we belonged to different worlds. But I was crazy about her, so I took it. What I've taken you wouldn't believe. Oh, I'm sure I wouldn't, Mr. Hunt. I'm a very understanding man. The question is, will a jury believe you? And that we must begin to learn immediately. Archie. Yes, sir? Phone for Inspector Kramer.
been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story by Peter Berry was based on the famous characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Herb Ellis as Archie Goodwin and Lee Millar, Marna Keneally, Larry Dobkin, Barney Phillips, and Jerry Hosner. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolf and Archie will bring you The Case of the Headless Hunter. Don Stanley speaking. <laughs> The New Adventures of Lisa's Great-Granduncle, Nero Wolf, right? Right, Wolf with an E. Great-Granduncle. November 3rd, 1950, The Case of the Dear Dead Lady, Sidney Greenstreet. You heard Herb Ellis there as Archie Goodwin. And as I say, they had rotating Archie Goodwins. Lawrence Dobkin was in this cast for a while. He was Archie Goodwin. And uh, let's see, Gerald Moore, Harry Bartell. I mean, it just... On and on and on with the Archies on this. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. All right, well, uh, Lisa Wolf, when we come back here next week, as you had said earlier, suspense, an hour-long suspense, and then You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx on Saturday, and then on Sunday, dangerous assignment and my friend Irma. We have Nick DeGilio is in the house. Hi, Nick. How hey. are you, buddy? All right. And uh, also, Jen Z is here. What's up, Jen? And hey. uh, real quick, tell everybody about your podcast and where to get it, and then uh, we'll see you again soon, I hope. They can get it at WGNRadio.com. It's Getting Zen with Gen Z or anywhere podcasts are available. Nick, and we got to check it out. It's all about like wellness and health and jujitsu, jujitsu, nutrition. nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all kinds We're of good We're reading stuff. labels as we stuff, go. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's what we'll do, Jen. And they can go to WGNRadio.com and to, find it, mm-hmm. right? And they can go to my website, JenZanati.com also. All right. Very, Comes very out every good. Wednesday. Day. Very yes. good. How you doing, Nick? All right. All right. So uh, tell us, um, what movie, like if I'm going to go to the movies this week, what should I see this week? Or not see, as the case may be. <laughs> if uh, I'm going to the movies, besides Toy Story 4, which I definitely want to see. Um, I, You know, I'm trying to think if there's anything. There's an alligator movie. I like that. Yeah? What's it yeah. called? Crawl. Oh, yeah, yeah, Crawl. But if it's, I mean, look, it's a, it's a really stupid movie. Yeah. But I wanted to see people get eaten by alligators. Yeah. And people got eaten by alligators. Are they in the giant movie. alligators or just. It's big alligators that eat people. Yeah, and it looks good in this special it's effects. It's a really are good. stupid movie, but it has alligators eating people. Right. And that's and what that's I wanted. That's it. That's what I wanted. <laughs> I, I went to that movie theater going, I want to see, see some hur- I want to see some hurricane footage and I want to see people getting eaten by alligators. And, and they both delivered. of those things. They yeah. delivered. Yeah. It was really weird, though, because um, (laughs) we go see this. Now, you know, uh, this uh, Chance the Snapper alligator has been part of our consciousness here in Chicago now for about a week or so, Humboldt Park uh, alligator. Yeah. So we had that alligator in our life. So my parents and I go and see uh, Crawl and alligators all over the place eating people. Fantastic. I get home. After the movie, I turn the TV on. I'm watching The Three Stooges. It's an alligator episode with The Three Stooges. With that's, an alligator. That's weird. Half an hour later, my parents called me, because I called my parents. I said, you know what? There's a, there's an alligator in the Three Stooges right now. I don't know what's going on. Half an hour later, my parents called me up and go, turn on channel, blah, blah, blah. Cake Boss is on. Right? It's a TV show. Yeah, where I know Cake Boss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Turn it on. A woman's making an alligator cake. <laughs> yeah, okay, this is Alligator-shaped cake. I'm like, what is going on? 
It was alligator weekend. It was gator who, weekend. Who would make an alligator shaped cake I, in any in any galaxy? I just can't picture doing that. That's well, that was on TV. My my parents are like, I don't believe this, but there's an alligator cake on on TV right now, and I'm like, what? So it was very it was a very alligator, <laughs> very uh, alligator, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but what happened to all the crocodiles? So they they this that's it. No crocodiles, just alligators. Do you know the difference between an alligator well, and a crocodile? An alligator and a crocodile. I know there's a difference. It has to do with the teeth. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Really? Mm-hmm. By the way, at the, at the end of the movie, at the end of Crawl, you know, it's it's, it's a, a, a a daughter and a father trapped in a house that's flooding during a hurricane, and there are alligators all over the place, and they're just trying to. You know, people Survive. are getting eaten. So, uh, at the very 